Welcome to Twig's SE Reflections, a podcast series meant for students and practitioners of the somatic and psychobiologically based therapies. This is a venue for me to share informal, off-the-top thoughts and meditations about what I do and don't do as a somatic therapist and consultant, a kind of intellectual oasis. Feel free to join the conversation, pass the word around, ask me a question or two. More information at liberationispossible.org backslash SE Reflections. Let's see what happens next. Whoa, whoa. I get to talk to you. I get to talk to you at a distance from time over time. Hi there, you in the future. And let's just go back in time to this adjunctive skills SE reflection I was going to make. Because one of the things that I'm asked a lot is what other modalities, what other kinds of practices, what other kinds of work did I find helpful in my studies with SE? And what do I imagine other people might find helpful? Over the course of answering that question a number of times, I found that I had a pretty consistent answer. The first thing I want to come to with this is say that this isn't about like which of the faculties, specialty offerings do I think are of value to study. I imagine they're all of value to study. I think one of the greatest things is a diverse group of people sharing lots and lots of ideas. And probably all of those people with all of their different kind of master classes and such probably have something valuable to share with people who are putting a lot of time into studying how to kind of facilitate somatic experiencing type sessions. Cool. Awesome. And this isn't about that. This is more about like when I was going through the work about 10 years ago and trying to pierce into it as as fast and as thoroughly as I could, what did I find that was kind of either completely offered most of the times by one of the faculty or another? So like Raja Selvman turned me on to body dynamics, which is on my little list. And and when, when I heard him say that, I just turned my attention there and I just went over there for a little while. A number of recommendations or kind of words or names that I heard flew by by Stephen Hoskinson and like I heard Ericksonian hypnosis and I said, okay, I got to check that out. And I found Stephen Gilligan in San Diego who offers a a kind of introductory hypnosis class, but at a very high level of integrity, having studied directly with Milton Erickson, a very, very accessible, but super high quality program he gives in a short period of time. And that was one of the things that I realized I was trying to do. I wasn't, wasn't looking for mastery or even the ability to do good in these other modalities. What I was after was the introductory state, the beginner's mind of how that modality influences and relates to and can be used in some type of part of the process at being so fluid as becomes somatic experiencing or as as one could hope for so that, you know, you can facilitate freeze, which is a really deeply different kind of state than facilitating somebody who's got a lot of active aggression and you need to be able to very quickly maneuver your language in order to help them do something or perceive something that will help the next thing to come along rather than just repeat that 
pressure inside of themselves. You might need to behave very differently, and you might need to know a lot of different kinds of skills, not in order to do somatic experiencing, but in order to get really artful. And that's where this question often comes from, from people who are looking for that way that they become more artful with it. All of these are kinds of things that I either did or got really close to at introductory levels. Off the top, they were most wonderfully that Stephen Gilligan program, Trance Camp, week or two weeks, preferably the two-week one in Ericksonian hypnosis, really nice. There are surely other options to do the same thing somewhere else. That's the one I did, and it worked for me. Any kind of intelligent touch process. And it's really cool to stay inside the tradition and, and hang out with Kathy Kane and all of that. I'm way into that recommendation. And it's nice to go just completely sideways of how we talk and get the, the opportunity to learn the sense of intelligent touch from another kind of a system like cranial sacral therapy or like myofascial release or like a a listening kind of hands-on bodywork technique that's that's worth a week intensive if you can find one of those or an eight week once a week kind of thing also there's a lot of there's a lot of learning about how you hold presence and pacing and timing and and the table manners of how you have to be around someone who's got that kind of state going on inside of them. It's good in that way because it really translates over even if you're never touching people in SE, you're just inclined to a more sensitive approach to how you hold space as well as where you influence your attention. Along that line is anything that has to do with focusing attention. It, like, I think it's a good thing to get involved in something like a attentive body practice, an attentive movement practice, an attentive dance practice, something that requires a certain amount of control and containment at the same time as encourages kind of spontaneity and flexibility. So like Nia would probably be a really great thing. I do Aikido. And I notice the quality of my work is much different when I'm in practice and when I'm not. And there are lessons to be learned about generating more capacity and having a structure to hold more capacity and being able to do that internally oneself is a good kind of reflection for our clients. So I'll say that. What else would be good in there? Authentic movement. Um, there's, you know, there's continuum on and on and on. I think those things are great. So what I do with those is I always just take those on. Each of them is introductory and I just kind of maintain my own personal rhythm, checking new stuff out while definitely focusing on Aikido most of the time nowadays. So in the direction of adjunctive learning, as far as information that is basic to SE and very super helpful, any of the developmental theme, like uh, what are they calling it? Character structure analysis kind of styles of things. 
There's ones that are very close to the SE tradition, and then there's ones that are like a bit further out from that, and those would include Hakomi, and what I studied more was the body namic style over from Denmark, Lisbeth Marcher, who has good books now translated into English. We didn't have that when I was studying, but we did have good material and really solid introductory relationship to things. Now that grew out of also for me having a firm or yeah, I had a firm understanding of physiology and body mechanics, kinesiology, movement, anatomy. I had the scientific background from school and then I had the bodywork training of how to appreciate all of those different kinds of body processes and how to find them. That helps a lot. And one of the reasons that I know that that helps a lot is by studying body dynamics, they had a very good tendency to take away the metaphor of how things felt and find the location and the quality of experience that was felt at that place. And while their language was different than how I tend to go about things, the direction of their attention has always been helpful for me in my SE practice. And that is one of the reasons to spend a little bit of time in a completely different system that is itself really got a complete understanding, might do things differently, you might end up doing things differently in the end. But that kind of adaptation, that kind of incorporation is is clearly at the heart of SE. And that's one reason why so many different systems like ours are all going in so much the right direction because so many other folks are saying so much similar and so much like the same thing. Mm. One that is not exclusive to me at all for people who are interested in this work, but which I definitely had a big helping hand with was naturalist studies. Learning how to be an amateur naturalist helped me to kind of bring certain perceptual skills that are useful in the field for bird watching and for animal tracking and for tool gathering and for plant identification and for kind of like watching the changing of seasons and the changing of clouds. I'm fortunate to have had such a dramatically difficult time getting along with society younger in my life that I was kind of looking for a refuge. And when I found it out in the earth and enough space from people and civilization and such, I got a big helping hand with how to pay attention to nuances. There's no question those naturalist studies, which I think Peter Levine, like he, he had that, he has that, he has that ability to open focus his attention. And a lot of the kind of John Young kind of things out of the the Duval area in Seattle, that kind of open perception, as you might find in like different kinds of open mind meditation, those are those are all in that direction of kind of free attention. Definitely with the natural world is a place where it's easy to get the right kind of stimulus, a bird flying across your view, and then the opportunity to follow that bird's trace across the sky until the bird is no longer in view and you've kind of followed its meandering line 
And by having done that, you kind of let your attention and your focus be broken, and then you can move along with what is next happening until you see that that which is next happening is done. And it's just like a way to build the capacity for that kind of spontaneity and feeling of like what comes up stimulates and then lets go over time. So naturalist studies, those are, those are a big place of learning for me in terms of SE and the kind of observational skills that go along with it, kind of doing it artfully. And then that is actually a good segue to the, the facial action coding system, the FACS, the facial action coding system. And that, that was developed by Paul Ekman, who's a scientist with, with universal facial expressions and the various different combination of facial movements that our, that our face can make as Homo sapiens sapiens. So like our particular face. And he's done all these very helpful cross-cultural analysis to show a multitude of some 10,000 unique facial expressions, a great many of which hold specific value in terms of prepared learning in the brain that when we see specific faces, an angry face, particular muscles are being used in the person's face who is expressing the anger and a person seeing that face recognizes that face as anger and that's universal around the world and the muscles that do those particular faces can actually be read or decoded and by a somewhat painful analysis you can sit in front of a video screen and and kind of tighten up a second by second frame viewing of a face and you can kind of track down each and every different little muscle or actually action unit of a muscle which allows you to then kind of read the movements of the face this is then used in scientific studies to prove various different things it's something you can kind of use in lots and lots of different applications because the faces as we would know from a social engagement kind of psychobiological work that we do the face is kind of the window into what the nervous system and the brain is thinking and doing and so with that as you might know sometimes the face does spontaneous movements that kind of being able to see the face as well as that facts system does would give you a little bit of an extra hit on what a flash of an emotion across a person's face is so that was my goal i went and studied the facts it's a week-long training it's kind of intense you sit there hour after hour looking at books and videos of minute movements in the face it's fascinating as all hell if you can handle it and it would be complete drudgery and an entire waste of time for anybody who couldn't handle it it's it's studied by scientists who want to spend a hundred hours decoding one minute of film it's extremely painful and laborious to get all of these combinations and you don't walk away with any kind of deep insight into oh that's the facial muscle of somebody cheating on me there's nothing like that However, it does concentrate your attention into how to read the face in such a refined way by just practicing so deeply that 
when I left that class, there was no question that I was seeing micro movements and micro expressions much more clearly, and I still do to today. If you want the cheap version, you could just check out that television show Lie to Me, which is kind of based on that research. A bunch of us watched it, and we got so much out of it. I watched all three series all three times. I wish it was still around. Okay, all three times. You didn't know that it plays three times, but if you're, if I'm really into something, I, I watch it three times in a row. So by the third time, I kind of feel like it's got a, I got its message, and I'm, I'm moving on to some other three times over kind of thing. Rolling over from Ekman, rolling over from Ekman, the science behind our work, it's, it's just damn helpful if you know it. I mean, at the artful level, some, some place in there, it's helpful to know. It's really helpful to know just what the heck is going on. And so that some of the magic, I don't want to take any of the magic out, but some of the magic is kind of infused with the fact that there's a physicalist thing happening most of the time when we're talking about like what's happening inside the somatic experience. It's like a real physical body and it's got real physiology going on and it's got a heart and a lungs and and gushy stuff and lots of liquid and it's got nerves and they've got long tangled webs and they're going all over the place and they're they're sending signals and one signal going this place and that place means that something is happening but if that signal is going that place and that place it's not going somewhere else it's not like energy it is energy i'm not saying it's not but it's not like energy you know what i mean it's like it's energy and it's moving stuff around and it's doing specific stuff at specific times it feels big and it feels big and it feels big and it feels in a way that i don't know how to describe it like energy and at the same time we want to hold the truth that it's a physical thing going on so when studying the science behind how the brain works how the body works how the autonomic stress response works how the polyvagal theory works the polyvagal theory that's where it's at i mean that's where it's at so getting into a porges lecture which are fun and he's funny and he's interesting and he's got awesome stuff to stay check it out it's totally human when he does it it's not hard to understand it's not great and easy to understand at any time but it's not that hard so at the artful level making sure you see Porges at some point. That's my recommendation. And then a second one with that is Bob Scare. Like a, like a thing with Bob Scare is a good idea, whether it's a single lecture, whether it's a three-day thing. I'm, I'm partial to his three-day thing at the artful level because it's like he just goes through step-by-step, step-by-step, and by the end of it, you're like, yes, it's a physicalist thing happening. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the woo of it because I'm so into the woo. At the same time, it's a physical thing happening. One of the more helpful ways to recognize the physical thing happening, one of my training places that I went for adjunctive training was from Wilderness First Aid. That's like a, that's usually an 80-hour course. You do classroom training about body, physiology, how different kinds of falls and crashes impact your body and what a person 
as a first responder to somebody who was in such a crash would do in order to stabilize their body so that they could be evacuated in a wilderness type condition. So not an easy immediate trip to the hospital, but in over time toward better and better care is the idea. So as you're learning this process, you get a very kind of inside view of what the body goes through when it gets damaged. Now, a lot of our work, of course, isn't just about like traumatic injury in terms of injury, but it's incredibly helpful at every level of thinking about the stress response to be able to think about what the body does at different levels of insult, all the way from like a glance that puts you in a tiny little bit of a sense of like something's a little agitated in that person to you, all the way through to like you're in a coma and your body's, you know, we get hurt. And so what that looks like is explored in these kind of classes and they're a whole lot of fun. Now, this is a wilderness kind of thing. It's usually done is a, it's it's not exactly, but it's quasi-adventure. You go into a classroom, you do a bunch of study, you go outside and you get wet and cold and you have a bunch of people there inside your group who get dressed up and they get bloodied up with fake blood as if they've just been in like a rock climbing accident or in a, in a tree falling in a windstorm kind of accident. And you come onto the scene and have to assess their problems while they're acting out the pain and, and torment of their process or they're unconscious. And you have to go through the process of determining if they're dead or unconscious or semi-conscious and they can hear you. And it's all the way through to ruling out their spine to make sure that they can move again without getting paralyzed to being able to stabilize all their body parts so that they can be moved out, hopefully on their own or by other means if necessary. You see the point? The point is in that class, you can get like this really wild kind of exposure to what it is people go through when something kind of, quote, traumatic happens to their lives. And you get to learn all about the way the body works at the same time because it's a great anatomy physiology class. And so, you know, for those who are up to that one, I would look up a wilderness first aid training. That's a that's a cool thing. That's the woofer. One really important one and, and kind of steps out of my agreement that I was making about not kind of pointing toward the SE faculty, although it's great stuff, great stuff. I'm just talking about adjunctive stuff. This is kind of funny to say here, but at some point, I just want to share this one with you. One of my best bodywork teachers told me early on in my training, she said, she announced to the class, but it was like she was talking directly to me. She said, when you find somebody whose work inspires you, that like really talks to you, and that person is still alive, go spend as much time with them as you can. Spend as much time with the person who created the thing that like turns you into somebody who says, yes, that's the thing I want to do. I want to incorporate that. I want to get artful at that. Spend time, as much time as you can, with the person who kind of shook that into the world. And so that's Peter Levine. And so, you know, that's that's what I can say, like as much time as you can with the guy who who made that vibration happen. Speaking of vibration, the most vibratory 
adjunctive thing that I ended up studying was comedy improv theater. There, there's just no question that I was ready for it. I needed it. I was kind of tired of sitting in the science and I was tired of sitting in like the trauma red vortex, trauma vortex kind of stuff. Like I, I needed the permission from another environment to say, Hey, it's just totally okay to come out here and, and like really, really play on the blue vortex, healing vortex, like counter vortex, wild, big goodness business. And so I, I both, I went in to check it out for, for other reasons and to loosen myself up as a therapist. And it did, it did. It, it really helped a lot. They do all over the country. You're probably going to be able to find all over the United States. You're going to be able to find comedy improv groups that do like any kind of city kind of space is going to have some kind of like introductory eight week kind of training probably. At that level, it's mostly just games and it's mostly just kind of having these games pull out a bit of your spontaneity. It's a really great time. Hey, that's a good time for me to remind you about my own comedy improv weekend that I do with SE practitioners. Spend a weekend, we play some of those games. I've adapted them with a lot of learning points for SE folks. We have a really great time. It's fun. You could come. But if you didn't, you could just look at that at your own city because I think a number of people have kind of considered that and and I'm I'm just going to lean on it again. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. So that's a list. Is that the only list? No. Is that even my whole list? It's not. And that's a list. The idea being that there are lots of adjunctive movements and sideways ways of looking at similar or parts of what are we are concentrated in on it with our attention and our work with SE. And spending some time with those people both helps us all play in the sandbox better and recognize that a lot of people have their attention pointed in lots of really helpful, same kind of directions, felt sense, self-organization, sufficient safety, such and such. Those kind of things, good to gather your skills about in order to move in that slightly more artful direction. And there, after so long of thinking about how I wanted to share that list with you and I could move on with these other SE reflections, I am done with that one. Mm -hmm.